Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. Hello everyone, welcome to another big interview with me, Graham Hunter. Our guest for the next two shows was genuinely a remarkable footballer. One of the best that Europe's produced in the last 40 or 50 years. You don't get to play for Juventus, Barcelona and Madrid if you're not. So you're going to love listening to Michael Laudrup, as I did when we met. In person, thank goodness. We love you Zoom, you've been great during the crisis, but one-on-one is good. Hello, John Hall and Daryl Oates. We met in Barcelona when Michael was in town for work. It was a Champions League week. This is part one, where I decided to do with Michael what we've done in only one or two of the 120 or so interviews in the series. I reckoned he was the kind of person who, all these years after he stopped playing, might still be able to get into minute detail about how he played, what made him special what his plan was when he received the football. If you've been with us since the Chris Waddle episode, which I guess was one of our first four or five, you'll know the idea. So, listeners, it seems I was right. The result of asking him about his ability, asking him about how he treated the ball, how he treated rivals, is one of my favourite interviews. I genuinely hope you'll feel the same. Enjoy part one of Michael Laudrup on The Big Interview. Today, on one of the projects that makes me happiest in my life, The Big Interview, I'm going to spoil the surprise. We have Michael Laudrup, um, a man who makes, who made and makes football beautiful, and who won a lot of things and who's very talented. But the thing that unites everybody that listens to this podcast is we appreciate football intelligence. We appreciate football beauty. So first of all, welcome back to the city that you lit up because we're in Barcelona. So welcome back. Bienvenido, we can say. Thank you. Gracias. Um, but it's also, Michael, the first time I've spoken to a white knight in this podcast series. <laughs> it's about 20 years ago since Denmark made you a white knight. I think that's a really beautiful name. I think it's a beautiful title. Just to explain a little... Remember, I come from... Although I'm a Scottish guy, and maybe I'm a little bit more of a Republican guy than a monarchy guy, my dad met Prince Philip and played cello for him. And I'm interested in... And we all watched the Danish season. Is it called Borga? The... the Bourne, yeah, Bourne, Bourne, yeah, Bourne, yeah. Which was sensational. Maybe it was a false picture it's of a little country. of the castle where the... Yeah. Of course, where the... So what was, your, what was your day in the castle and, and what made you a white knight and what was it like? 
Well, I don't want to spoil your <laughs> enthusiasm, <laughs> but of course, it's it's always fantastic when you get a, a, a nominee like that. And, and we walk up and uh, to the to the castle there, wait in in line, and then after receiving uh, this, uh, we had to go and and uh, talk to the to the queen and say hi to the queen. And I was a little when I saw her. She was sitting there because I was not number one or two. I was—I I don't know what number I was in, in, in line, but it's yeah, it's something special. Um, but 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 really, that day, uh, uh, yeah, we came in. I received that, and then I, I went home. You know, I'm I'm a little like that. I I'm I'm very pleased. I'm honored, but I, then again, I don't put so much into it. Uh, I knew you wouldn't be carried right. away by it, and I knew it wouldn't change the person you are. No. But when the country, when the state says you are one of a very small number of people and it's our highest yeah, honour, yeah. like in the UK, the Queen or Prince Philip or Prince Charles, they will take a sword and they'll touch yeah. you on each shoulder with the sword. No, they, they did not do no that. No swords I, in I, I received like... Uh, a small, I don't know what you call it. A little white cross? Yeah, a little white cross, but I cannot wear it. I can only wear it if I go to a... I think when I go to a place where the Queen is in special occasions, and so I have it in a, in a, in a, in a safe uh, at, at home, and, um, well, it's, it's lying there. I'm still glad I asked because I like the customs of other countries, and also for anybody who hasn't heard you speak before... I knew that when we talked about the highest order Denmark can give and meeting the Queen, Michael Ludwig would say, I'm honoured, it's nice, but I'm not so impressed because you, you're a guy with feet on the ground. I'm going to try number two. In all the 110 interviews we've done, I have to be honest, with respect to all the other guests, we've never had people speak like they do when they send us in questions. We have socios. Yeah. Let me give you an example, please. I'm sorry to embarrass you. Yeah, like, I'm sorry about this, but Chris Hannigan believes what he writes. Hi, Graham. Firstly, what an elegant, beautiful footballer Michael was. For a certain vintage of people, the Danish team at Mexico 86 are like a red and white and black crosswind zigzagging in and out of our memories in that beautiful kit. Shane Hurley says, First off, Graham, please say thank you. <laughs> To this wonderful, wonderful footballer. Even after he crossed the El Clasico divide, Michael still has a part in my heart from being part of Barcelona's first European Cup winning team. It just goes on and on and on. What do you think was the part of your football game, never mind the trophies, that made people so bewitched by you what was the things you did that you can understand that made people say that made people still say wow Michael Loudrop yeah now you forced me to talk about myself and, and what I was I think of all the yeah talks I had with people during uh, many years I, I think a lot of things uh, coming up uh, one after another is that they say doing things difficult things uh, looks easy you know and and I think the vision um, 
the vision I had on, on, on the pitch. But it wasn't something that I had when I was 20. I think it's something that I developed maybe when I was in my, my early 20s, when I was, yeah, when I was in the, in, in the European uh, uh, Championship in 84 with Denmark, with the 86 uh, in, in, in Mexico, the World Cup. I was still only 20 and 22. I was maybe a little, a little different, maybe more direct. Uh, and then I added that to my to my play with my vision and that's maybe a little difficult to to explain to people but i was always orientated what happened on the right on the left and even sometimes behind and that people when my peer especially here in spain those years with with barcelona five years and then with madrid is is that vision that i had for 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 the others how how can you see uh, that space who wasn't there, I think, combined with with my individual skills. Uh, I think in maybe in one against one. Every player is 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 different. We understand this, but mentally, if I if I somebody said to me, well, I never saw Michael play. Explain him a little bit. I'd begin to make comparisons with Chris Waddle, Zinedine Zidane, Valeron. I'm not saying you know which. Well, maybe Valeron wasn't your level, but you're united by being of a. You're you're quite a strong, athletic man, reasonably tall for a guy who could dribble. Yeah, so well. actually, that's now you're saying it. It's something that um, a lots of uh, people they 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 told me when they met me in in, in person. Said, "Oh, Michael, you you actually quite uh, high because I'm I'm one eighty three. And because on, on telly I look a little smaller, you know, because I have I have short legs and, <laughs> and no, but actually this is the same with my brother Brian, and he's 185, so this is really a tall guy. But because we have that um, uh, smaller legs, so we can move uh, uh, from, from uh, make change of direction uh, uh, very fast, and even if we were not something that you were you're more used to with. With players on, yeah, uh, one uh, Messi, Maradona, one sixty something, Alan Simonson, uh, Danish player as well, uh, but we actually that higher. But but that's something that has surprised uh, a lot of people. Said, well, you, you guys, you you're actually quite <laughs> tall. You see, watching you, <clears throat> if I can narrow the comparison down with Sudan and, and Chris Waddle, two two great footballers who lifted your heart, but also when you watch them. You were like, how have they done that? And you shared something with them whereby, and I'm asking you, how much was just in your DNA, in your brain, and how much did you learn? So in this series, when we spoke to Chris Waddle, we thought, if we ask him, Chris, how did you do what you do? Some athletes can do it, but they can't describe it. And Chris went, he talked about his balance and how close he might get to a rival before he started showing one way or twice this way. When you, because one image that will always be with me is you going, do you want to? And then disappearing, just an acceleration into a space with the ball. How much did you plan that? How much was natural? How much just became, I know I can do this and I'll switch into top gear now? No, I can say one thing. There's one thing, especially in Spain, you, 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 you will know it because you've been here for many years. I said, uh, Michael, he, was, he, he made the croqueta. That means using the ball from one foot to the other one to push it forward. And that I used, that was something natural because I think that 
I can make the dribble and I push like in 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 billiard or something I, I push it from from actually from my right to my left and then when the ball goes I push that forward so immediately I'm already I'm in the move with the ball so I use it as a, as a movement to get forward to get past my opponent but in the same moment to get forward because one thing is to in one against one to make the dribble but if you stay there the opponent will be there will still be there so I use that and then I've seen that other players who then uh, used it well uh, Iniesta has been fantastic uh, with this one but also other other players uh, younger than me they they have used that to get forward and sometimes even players who are not fast when they do it fast they look they actually look fast and I think Iniesta is a great example he was not a very fast player but he looked fast because he was a fast thinker Zinedine Zidane is another one that you are, you are, you are saying So, the, but it's, it came natural um, like other things I think I did it two very famous th- uh, things in, in Spain one with Romario and the other one with Raul and then I made a third one with the World Cup in 98 where it just lifted it over and, and I was asked how, why did you do that how did you did you train that and I said no but there was no space on the ground because there were so many defenders there. So the only way I could get the pass through was to put it on top of the, the players. And, and it it came like that. Did you, well, you've got a good mind in life and in football. Just having a sharp, intelligent mind match with peripheral vision, which you talked about, and skills, this will yeah, give you Yeah, but again, that was, I have to... I did not have that... At that level, when I was when I was young, that just to say that you have to have the basics to do the things technically and all that, but then you have to develop them. And and even if you see maybe as, uh, you see Messi, mm-hmm. which is one of the best three players in in the world of all time, when you see him when he was twenty. He had that one against one, one against two, one against four. Fantastic. But he, nine out of ten, he went to finish it by himself. Suddenly, from one year to another, he started to add that with his vision. With Dani Alves, then with Jordi Alba, with other players, with Xavi, with Iniesta. Suddenly he made the passive goal and then it became impossible to stop him. Because mm-hmm. in the beginning, when he was young, he had that... but. The opponent, they knew, well, when Messi takes the ball, he will go to finish it himself. And suddenly he changes, so he goes by himself, or sometimes he makes the, the, the pass. And from that moment, he became, yeah, the best. I wonder, I and I'm not Because when you add something, and I just wanted to talk about Messi, because here we're talking about the best, but even the best, when they, they have to develop parts of their, of their job, or play the part of the skill... With, with, with time, you know. Sometimes you develop, the, in the example you make about yourself, between maybe playing European Cup football in 1981 in Ireland and in, in Romania to the guy who at one stage can be considered the best player in the world. You're talking about Messi who comes through with a natural explosive talent but then becomes so complete, so yeah. intelligent. Yeah. That's a transition. I wonder if you, because we can't speak for Messi, but I wonder if one of the things, apart from experience and maybe good teachers, did you begin to find 
that because your first touch was good, because you had croquetas and, and a, a vision of space, did you begin to find that you could make good decisions about what to do because you had that little bit more time than the players facing you because you could do special things? Because it looked like, they call it here pausa, the idea that you can do things when everybody else is crazy speed, but you're like, I know, I have, to, I have time to think about yeah. a lob. I have time to think about where space is. But a part is that of, part of it? Yeah, but a part of that transition also comes with the, low, uh, then with the players you play with. Because when I played in Italy, I was young. Um, I was already in the national team. I had the, the quality I had. But then I came here when I was 24. And suddenly I play completely different football. Uh, with a team who's keeping the ball, who's not losing ball, who's play uh, like we did here, like did in Spain at that time. But Barcelona was the first with the, with the Johan Cruyff, and suddenly it's also give like you say that 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 power, the pause, pause for that rest in the game where the team is moving the ball, and you have to find your position, and then they know exactly now we have to give it to him, and I. What I had to do that was new for me because I came from the Italian football and also from I was I was younger was much more much more intense uh, than the, the Serie A in the beginning of the 80s and the mid 80s uh, and and uh, it was a different football and and then suddenly I come here and it's it's a completely different way of of, of playing. With with Croy, would you categorise that you left behind from Lazio and Juve? What, what would you categorise the difference in, in the mentality you found in Syria? It was much more tactically, uh, and and in the end of the eighties with with Sacchi in Milan, then suddenly you had an Italian team as well who 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 kept the ball. And uh, I remember when I think when my last two years in in uh, in, uh, in in Juventus, and we played Milan, and sometimes we lost, we drew. And we won, but every time we played them, you had a feeling after the game they had the ball the whole time. Wow! Then in the end, you can win one nil, or you can have one one, or whatever. But they had had that impression. They had a fantastic team. But it was, it was. We also had a good team in Juventus, but it was, it was different. And and suddenly you play an Italian team who kept the ball. And then I, I come to 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 Barcelona, with with Cruyff, and and. Then suddenly we start to play uh, not completely like like the Milan of Saki because they had a lot of with pressing and all that and, and uh, but we did not have that in in uh, in, uh, in in the dream team that was something who came in Barcelona with yeah. I think especially with Guardiola yes with that pressing as well we did not have that in in uh, with with uh, with our team in here in, in Barca and don't have it in in Madrid either. But we had that to keep the ball, and that was that gives you. It's it's. I think it's obvious if if during ninety minutes you only have one ball on the pitch. If you had the ball 60, hmm. 60 minutes, and every player, I don't know, I the statistic, but every player, the maximum, what is it, three minutes? You have the you can you have the ball. Touch the yeah. ball. So you really have to decide do well in those three minutes. But if you have it sixty, there are more chances that I can get the ball in the right areas so I can do my play and that was what, what, what happened here um, when, when I came to, to, to Spain first to, to especially it, with the Barcelona the Cruyff uh, Barcelona that it was a different kind of, of, of play who gave me the possibility to 
to make that transition for what I already have of quality to add something new. Before the rest of this big interview, I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. What kind of teacher was he? Because, like, he's he even from the first time I ever saw him, which was in the early seventies on television in Ajax, playing. We we didn't get much televised football. We're similar ages, although you look a little bit younger, unfortunately. But nonetheless, we we watched similar things. I mean, you didn't get a lot of European football no, on no, your no, television. No, no, no. So when the European final comes on and it's yeah. Ajax Panathinaikos or Ajax Inter or whatever, I saw this flipping ballet dancer on the screen moving differently looking differently elegant but also imperious so it struck me right but also I met him a lot so I'm not stupid about him he could be brash he could be rude he could be short of patience but around him he was a genius in 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 sporting terms he was a genius around him special things happened what was he like as a teacher was he always patient with you was it learn because I tell you did he take you individually no, that was, that was a lot of things. All the things you say, uh, 
Cruyff was a personality. You can say that's another <laughs> that's a way. euphemism. That's, a, that's <laughs> with everything, uh, and he's Dutch. <laughs> yeah, there's another factor <laughs> from Amsterdam. So now, but if I have to take one thing out, you say okay, we can talk about Johan Cruyff for uh, uh, for one hour, two hours. But if I have to pick one thing out, which different from all the other managers, coaches I've had in my whole career, it was that he could take things and then simplify them and say, we have to do this. And then you can ask, uh, why? Because I've come from Northern Europe. We sometimes, and especially Denmark, we ask why when people say something. You know? And he said, because of this and this and that. And then you said, yeah, that's obvious. So he said things, football terms, tactical things, technical things, where you say, yeah, that makes sense. But I, but I never heard that from other uh, no. coaches. Um, we have to play like this. We have to play like this. We have to play like this. But never, they never told what, why. I have some coaches who uh, told us the team how we had to do when we're defending. You go there, you blah blah blah. But when we have the ball, then no, then you know what to do. But he gave us some things. Of course, you cannot teach a player uh, when you get the ball you have to play it to him or you have to do one against one one against two no it was not that but he gave some uh, things that when he when he said them and explained them and he was very not using two minutes to think oh no 10 seconds 15 seconds we're doing because of that you said yeah of course and that simplifies football because football is is a very simple game but it's also at the same time a very difficult one it's simple because there, there are no rules yeah the, the the offside rule you have to explain people what the offside is about but the rest is you cannot kick people and you have to score more goals than the other one that's the simple part then all the other things about how to move how to to make the movement adjustment in the team offensive defensive transition during a game that makes it a little more complicated but Overall, so it's at the same time it's a very simple and easy game, and on the other hand, it's also very complicated. Picasso once told me, "Painting is easy. You have a brush, you have paint, you have white paper, but then what you do?" Exactly. But it's also that why everybody talks about football because if we talk, if we start talking about some sports. Hockey, basket, uh, cricket, uh, rugby, a lot of rules. And you don't want to make a fool out of yourself starting say, why did he not do that? Or, so, of course, he cannot do that because the rule says uh, otherwise. You, know, you don't have that in football. I, I, you, you can say everything, even if you don't know so much about football. You can, you're allowed to say anything because, yeah, everybody can play football. No? I'm beginning to believe you once had a conversation with someone in Britain about cricket. That's, that's what I'm, I'm working back to. I don't know cricket because I, I, I don't know all the rules. But you can say a lot of other sports as well, and, and uh, they are a little more complicated in, in itself. But football is, yeah, a part of the offside that you have to explain. It's easy. I would never go away from Johan Cruyff quickly, but he, you gave me... A, an assist pass because I want to ask you a difficult question about Danes and Denmark. You mentioned Seamason. Not everybody because of the age we are, not every young listener yeah. is going to remember he was Danish golden ball winner. Yeah. Denmark has a small population. It's a relatively small country. They won the European Championship. You won the Confederations Cup. 
Peter Schmeichel, big hero for the treble for Manchester United. Michael Laudrup, still maybe one of the most cherished dream team players. We can go on about whether it's Arneson or LKR or when Leicester provide a miracle, there's a, there's, there's a Schmeichel in, yeah, in yeah, goal, yeah, etc. Yeah. Et yeah. When I sat once in Copenhagen and interviewed Peter Schmeichel, another character, yeah. well, for, for good and, you know, he's controversial. Oh, you're talking about Cruyff and now about Peter Schmeichel. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. There's personalities, yeah. There's firm, characters, there's characters. Of character, for sure. No, because those words, it takes all, because you couldn't, again, like we talked about before the interview started, if you talk about, no, his good things is this, and his bad is this. And then you have some people, they want to, ah, oh, he said two bad things about this one, we take them. No, but... We, we forget that he said five very good yeah, things. Yeah. So let's just call them characters the and world, personalities. Thank you, we'll do that. The world has gone crazy. But yeah. Peter said something that interested me because I was asking him too about exactly what you said about saying to Johan, well, why? Or explain that. So I said to him, what is it about the Danish character, about the personality, the, the way in which Denmark has become, in sporting terms, a real reference point in my lifetime? And he said... I mean, remember, people must remember listening, that as you were coming through, Denmark had only just stopped being amateur in football, so the gap from yeah, then yeah, to yeah. now is real small in football terms, and Denmark has achieved a lot. Before 84, in the European Championship 84, we did not do anything for, I don't know, because in the 60s and the 50s, it was when you get the, the players in Denmark, they got professional, they got, you could not play in the national team. <laughs> That, that they wouldn't allow them. No, they would not allow them. Only for amateurs. So then in the 70s it came back. But of course, then you have to to develop again a, a structure and a team. So, I th- so this is what your, your father went through this. Exactly. Because your father was a fantastic player. Yeah, he went to Austria. And when he went there, they said, no, then you cannot play in the national team. Then I think it was in 70 or 69, they allowed professional footballers to... Uh, to come back to play with the national team. You know what? Uh, which team, which country they picked for the first game to play against? I hope it's Scotland. Portugal with uh, Eusebio. Oops. 5-0. And huh? of course, the next day, the headlines what? It's better to play with the amateurs. Why should we, <laughs> why should we call the, allow the professionals to come back and play in the national team when they lose 5-0 to Portugal? Why was there a society feeling about the, the gloriousness of amateurs? Well, I, th- I don't know. I don't know, but I still remember that in the Danish league, I think it was in the late 70s that the players started to earn very uh, small amounts of uh, money to play in the in the best in the best league in uh, in Denmark. I think. Well, I played in uh, in KB Copenhagen in Bromby in from 81 to 83, one and a half year because before I went to uh, to Lazio. And it was very, very small amounts. But that was just in the beginning of professional football in Denmark. So actually it was incredible that already in 84, because we had so many professional players that we had that generation of, yeah, Simonsen, Elkea, Morten Olsen, Lair Bjarnesen, uh, Bergen, uh, Coming around the corner, Mulbu. Mulbu, uh, Jesper Olsen. Uh, that was that was one generation, uh, but that was one generation of players who, were, who just played, some of them amateurs, a little professional football, one or two years, and then going out. And that suddenly we have in 84 and 86 that generation in the national team. So it was a little. 
strange against all odds that so early in 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 the eighties that we already had that that generation of of, of players of pure gold. This can't answer that question, but the reason I mentioned Peter was that he talked about, in terms of Danish character, inquisitiveness, intelligence, curiosity about life, open-mindedness, he talked about the school system, and he said the school system was peculiar in European terms, it, it was different in terms of what you do at what age, it was a system that taught you to to speak, that, that taught you to have a point of view, mm. rather than yeah, yeah, forcing yeah. learning on you. It said, challenge the world. It, yeah, yeah. No, but you I recognize I, this. As I, I said before, Danes, we, we ask, uh, we, have, we have a little, um, in Denmark, is a, a, I don't know if it's a joke, but this is a little, you say, if you take two Danish players, you have two Danish players in the team, two Swedish and two Norwegian, and as a coach, you say, now, in between you, they're professional players, all six. Just pass the ball, yeah, one to another. The the Swedish they will do it without saying. The Norwegian probably as well, and the Danes will say, why? <laughs> they want to, why? So that's yeah, a little in consequence of what you're saying now. It's it's yeah, ask ask you, even if sometimes, yeah. To, to get a, a little more knowledge uh, or what or just to be curious uh, sometimes it's all just to be good. the school system does demand that or, or did in your generation no i don't i don't know if it they demand that uh, so <laughs> many years ago i've been to school but but it's 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 true it's uh, um we are all different and even in the north of uh, in scandinavia there's a huge there's a difference between the danes the swedes and norwegian of culture but Again, it, then it depends also, even in our country, if you come from one part of the country and the other part, uh, we all have our, our culture from when we were kids. You know, it's if you come from a big city, a smaller city. So you also have to be very careful not to generalize too much no. because I think we can take every country... Uh, you take Scotland and you say, okay, there's also a difference if you come from, from, from Glasgow or you come but from, wait, if, from... Yeah, there is, but if you generalise and you say, if you put the, the, the two... But now two, I, gen- I generalise. The two with, footballers with, with from Scotland yeah, will self-destruct. They'll be, they'll be talented, they'll be yeah. funny, everybody will like them and yeah. they'll self-destruct. And that won't be a force. They will definitely be funny because that's... Usually... My, that's I, my view of... Nobody's of, ever uh, accused yeah. me of being funny, but yeah. my countrymen I know. are. My uncle was, you know, he was the manager, you know. Eb? Aberdeen, yeah, my Aberdeen. team, exactly. Yeah, yeah, of course. A big character. Yeah. Sadly, sadly lost now. Yes, but yes. What a footballing family you come yeah. from. Yeah. But we have beautiful sponsors. Bet365 asked me to ask you. This is a, a simpler, maybe more encapsulated. Maybe it's difficult for you. I don't know. What trophy or award are you most proud of from your career as a player or manager? The first European... Well, it was just before the, the season before it, it became Champions League, but so people, younger people, they can understand. I won the first Champions League of Barcelona. So this is, this is big. I uh, won four consecutive, five consecutive leagues, uh, league titles here for the Barcelona, one with Madrid, and one... I won titles with, with Brumby in Denmark. But I still think that being a smaller team, I always said, and I would like to confirm that here, trophies won as a manager 
has given me more pleasure than as a player because I know it's much, much more work being a manager than being a player. Because as a player, if we can simplify it a little, you have to think about yourself. Yes, your teammates who will be playing, who will I play against, who will my, be my directly opponent tonight, uh, blah, blah, blah. But the manager who is playing, who is not playing, uh, the president, uh, the staff, the, 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 board, stupid the media. board, the media, everything you have. So when you achieve big things as a manager, so I don't know, but maybe, just maybe, the league, uh, the cup title with Swansea was uh, the, the, the biggest one. Also because it was the first one, like it was the first Champions League year with Barcelona. When you win the first trophy, of a club, it's a club or whatever country, whatever. It's 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 huge because you know how important it is for for for, for a lot of people. And as I recall, this is the only trophy that Swansea ever won. And who knows when when they will win the next one? Uh, it could take two years, twenty, or thirty or fifty. You know, you you never know. You have to. So maybe, just maybe, I will go for that one. It's a beautiful assist. Even if a League Cup compared to a Champions League, obviously you cannot do that. But I think people can understand that, although they haven't experienced it, the difference between being a superb player and a good team and being a manager, because managing drives you crazy. Players are like, it's like sometimes trying to herd wild dogs or, or forgetful sheep. It's Swansea, your um, resources are smaller. Now, that season, you go to Liverpool. You don't just win, you win 3-1. <laughs> Liverpool's side includes Carragher, Joe Cole, Jordan Henderson still there. You know, it's Steven Gerrard comes off the bench, Luis Suarez comes off the bench. Michael, you were managing a team with Gerhard Tremel, Chico, who, you, who was brought from the, the, the Cantera. I think actually yeah. that, that competition... This is not the biggest uh, thing. I think to win at uh, Anfield against Liverpool was fantastic. But to win a semi-final over two games games against Chelsea with their best team, with Hazard and company, I think that was impressive. Uh, Tell us the story of how you planned it. Because the first leg, Michu, not the same legend as you at Swansea, but near, very near. Michu and Danny Graham score in London. You win away. Do you remember about how, in any way, you planned to unpick Rafa Benitez's Chelsea? What was the key, not just the performance on the night, the key to understanding how Swansea wins that? No, the, the key was that we're playing away and we think, yeah, I was telling, this is two games, two leg. Uh, so we have to, we have to think about try to get a goal but we also have to defend so it's it's that we have to think it's not only tonight we have a second leg uh, at, uh, at home and um, of course we knew defensively we had to be well well organised but we also always you have to think about when you get the ball what to do you don't have to be naive when you play teams better than you you have to be very well organised defensively but you always need to have Solutions when you get the ball. Otherwise, you stand in, inside the box, you're your own, and it's, it's only a question of time before they score. And, that, and, and those two games, 
they did not score in and 180 minutes. I'm hearing you on Cruyff's simplicity of instructions, yeah, yeah. but clarity yeah. in what you said. And there. then, of course, you know, even you can do all the things before and you can plan it well. And you know also when you play teams that are better than you, you know there will be periods during the game, moments where you have to suffer. You have to know also how to suffer. Define that. It can word. be suffering is when you feel, when you feel as a team, we want to go forward. But every time we get the ball, they go to put us under pressure, and we try to hit it, it uh, along for our striker or one or two, and, and they, back they, it comes. And five seconds later, they're back again, and they just and you have to. What's the key to coping with that? Because it's a word that gets used in Spain a lot. Yeah. Sufrimiento. It doesn't get used in, in those so much. in those moments. It's difficult to explain because also the attacking team, they they are on top of the game. It can be five minutes, it can be ten, it can be fifteen, but it's never, they're never on top the whole game. It's very, uh, uh, it's very rare. So you have to go through those five, ten minutes. Maybe you have to take a pause when the ball goes out. You have to try to push forward. You, you need that one or two players. They suddenly, when they get the ball, when you, they go past their direct opponent, so so you feel like as a team now. We, we're coming back into the game. Oof, we had suffered for six minutes. It, it seemed like it'd been 26, not six minutes, but yeah. they've had six crosses, they have had five corners, they have three shots on target. How do we get past this, 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 this period? And, and those, there will be moments like that. And, uh, uh, and again, especially when you play against teams like better than you, and, and definitely this. This Chelsea team was 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 very good. One. Psychologically, for you and the squad, is it different? Is it an unusual thing when you know you're two 0 up from London and all over the media, maybe the fans, well, that's yeah, it, all yeah. done, and they're coming down the road to Swansea, and Rafa changes the team and makes sure that the whole artillery is of there. Course. Of course, the psychology of the second game, which ends nil nil. Is very different. You, it can't no fiesta. Also, don't be relaxed. And well, because the problem is, a lot of people said, "Oh, we want two 0 up there." Now, we just yeah draw here, we're in the final. Yeah, it's just it will be ninety <laughs> minutes because if, if they score the first one after ten minutes, I mean, this team they can easily score three goals, and then you have to score two. You know, because three one at home, then you you're, you're out. So uh, so it it was. The second one was really, really, even even tougher than the, than the first one I, I remember, yeah. Thank you for listening to the big interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true. Graham Hunter and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson.